If you've noticed, my, my sermons the last couple of weeks have kind of been uh, just having that course on the seeing the divine in nature. Uh, that's kind of my sermons, my words have kind of gravitated towards that topic, and they, they do today as well. And uh, when Mary and I were talking about this class, we did have a, a little discussion about what, what to call it. Remember that? <laughs> we we're going to call it a seeing God in, in nature or uh, seeing Christ in nature. And we finally settled on seeing the divine in nature. And after I read this passage, that's going to be our, our, our question, just to take some time to, to reflect on what is your understanding of divine, your experience of the divine, or, or how would you uh, define that or describe the divine? It's maybe the same as God or, or Jesus, but also might be a different nuance there as well. And so this is from uh, the book of Genesis, and it's the very, very, very first verse. It kind of speaks to that, that divinity there. So in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And I love that image of the wind from God moving over the face of the waters and stirring that water in, in the and that spirit is in the wind as well. So as we take some time just to pray and, and to reflect on that, what, what, how would you um, define or describe the divine? Or what would be your experience of that divine? So how do you describe the divine? So let's take a few moments just to pray silently and reflect on that. Let us, let us pray Well, um, I call this uh, particular meditation just the, the water stirring. The water stirring and water plays such a prevalent part in the, in the biblical story and everything. And just to read this verse one more time. So in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And you kind of slow that down and just... Picture that wind, times we've been in front of a lake or a river, and especially when it's perfectly still, like a lake at night, and then something stirs the water. It can be a, a divine moment there. Well, last week, and I, I talked to our, our adult children, Andy and Rhoda, to make sure I could share some thoughts when we went on a walk last week, and they said, sure you can. So last week, our, our daughter, Andy, uh, was in town to say hello and to celebrate her birthday and, and mine as well. And Andy and I, we missed having the same birthday just by a couple of minutes. We were pretty sure we were going to have the same birthday, but she missed it by a couple of minutes. And Jennifer always jokingly says, I never believed in signs until Andy refused to come out of my womb until after your birthday. <laughs> and she follows that up and she says, you are both just very stubborn Tauruses. <laughs> And we say, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, last Monday, uh, Andy and Roe and I, we drove to Canyonlands National Park, and Jennifer had to work. And Canyonlands is just a wilderness, just a wilderness of red-brown sandstone cliffs and domes, as well as enchanted canyons and buttes carved out over time by the Colorado River. And it's just a, a wonderful place, and, and just like many of you mentioned, if you can't feel and experience the divine there, then it's just, it's just so prevalent. 
and we take the very first parking space at the Needles uh, campground. And for those of you who have been there, you go, where's the Needles campground? Because there's only a couple in the park there. It used to be called the uh, Squaw Canyon campground. And in part of that bill, that they, they've changed, there's changing the names. So now it's the Needles campground. And we walked up the, the wooden Shoe Canyon Trail, which previously was called Squaw Canyon Trail. And they've, they've changed the name to the the Wooden Shoe Canyon. I think that's much more uh, uh, relevant and, and welcoming as well. And it always feels good just to stretch out my legs and let my feet touch the welcoming sand of a, of a primitive desert meadow. And there's large numbers of clumps of yellow bunch grass and Mormon tea and yucca and full barrel cactus just waiting to bloom. And I don't know if it was my imagination or not, but with all the water, the, the cactus just seemed more puffed up than normal. And I don't, I don't know the science behind that, but they were definitely, definitely full there. And all these plants were just gracing this garden of rock and sand. And there were not any trees with tempting red delicious apples in sight. So I pick a handful of berries as I walk by a juniper tree. And Ro was walking ahead of me, and I don't know if you ever do this on a trail, and just, it's kind of fun just to toss those. <laughs> those berries at whoever is ahead of you. <laughs> and they just fell harmlessly off of his day pack there. And Andy, she freezes, and she pulls her phone from her pack, and she squats down before a juniper tree where there's a clump of very vibrant red Indian paintbrush flowers just growing underneath this tree. And they're smiling back at her, and she's lost in wonder and love and she snaps pictures of them from different angles of light. And John Muir wrote, In every walk with nature, one receives far more than one seeks. We receive far more than we seek. As we walked down that very first pitch of Slick Rock, and it wasn't too steep, but steep enough, Rowe started running and jumping off rocks and clicking his heels. He was just a young kid again dancing around out there. And he says, Come on! Come on, he says. And I said, well, I think, I think I'll walk. <laughs> and he is doing his best Fred Astaire impersonation, dancing down the face of the rock. But he's singing in the desert instead of singing in, in the rain. And at the bottom, we meet a young Navajo woman who's working as a park ranger. And I asked her, I said, have you seen many flowers? Because she had been walking around on the trails there. She goes, oh, a few. A few. She goes, there are plenty of yellow wallflowers and purple aster and desert marigolds. And she goes, everyone, everyone says we're going to have a super bloom this year with all of the rain. But not yet, though. And I make a mental note, and I promise to come back in a couple weeks when maybe this super bloom is happening. And I imagine it as a moment, a moment in time when the divine presence overwhelms our senses. Or as John Muir said, who was a pretty good theologian, as well as a naturalist. And I read that, uh, it said that he memorized the entire New Testament and three quarters of the Old Testament. Which is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of time out there in, in the mountains there. Well, John Muir said, look, nature is overflowing with the grandeur of God. Nature is overflowing with the grandeur of God. 
And Barbara Brown Taylor, in her book, Leaving Church, she wrote, I know plenty of people find God most reliably in books, in buildings, and even in other people. And she says, I have found God in all of these places too. But the most reliable meeting place for me has always been creation. And when other people see acreage and timber and soil and river frontage, she goes, I see God's body, or at least as much of it as I am able to see. And if this makes me a pagan, then I am a grateful one. So when do we most encounter God, the divine presence, or the resurrected Christ? And for the very first time in, in many visits I have taken to Canyonlands National Park, water is flowing down the creek beneath the sandstone walls. And as we pass by this creek, row walks to a clear pool, which reflects the sunlight on his face. And the wind stirs that water. It stirs the water. And Rohr says, we are always waiting for the Holy Spirit and somehow forgetting that the Spirit was given to us from the very beginning. In fact, she was hovering over the chaos in the very first lines of Genesis. The wind from God sweeps over the water. And Roe intuitively reaches down with both hands and he cups the water and he pours it over his head. And I wonder, does he hear the heavens part and feel the whoosh of the Spirit descending. And a canyon wren looks upon us from her perch in an ancient cottonwood, and the clouds move breathlessly across the sky. And Andy is sitting silently nearby, lost in thought, within the shade of the pinyon trees growing along the banks of the creek. And to sit in solitude, to think in solitude, with only the music of the stream in the cedar to break the flow of silence. There lies the value of wilderness, wrote John Muir. And I gaze upon our adult children, thinking of us being at that park when they were just little toddlers and everything. And I look upon our adult children, I wonder what awaits them in a world of great beauty and hope, as well as a world of thorns and snares. And it is a good day. It is a good day to dwell in the presence of blue skies, a gentle breeze, and quiet water, and blooming marigolds, and sandstone canyons. And everything's anticipating this super bloom in nature. And John Muir said it well, the sun shines not on us, but in us. The river flows not past us, but through us. And the trees wave, and the flowers bloom in our bodies, as well as in our souls. <coughs> and that divine beauty restores us. And we have glimpses of heaven and life as it should be possibly there. And we're just full, full of that love and that grace. And it's a moment. And my prayer for all of us is that the wind from God will sweep over us and through us as we walk through the gardens of our lives. And may paradise be found and not lost.